The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. At the heart of Poetis International, the organization that I lead serving the needs of the lost and least in Southern Africa, is this idea, whether it's economic advancement or uh, education or widow and orphan care, or working with victims of exploitation and empowering local churches, whatever it may be at the heart of it, is the Gospel. And the Gospel has to be integrated when we're working with very complex poverty-related issues. But what we see is when we provide something as simple as vocational training, and we provide the reason why, We're seeking to lift people out of cycles of poverty. What we see is that when they receive these skills, they they have this automatic tendency to say, well, I want to give this away. Well, I want to use this and I want to teach others. This is the kingdom of God. And it's what I want to talk about this morning and the message that that Jesus brings. Now, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm sorry, I just am. Uh, Don't hold it against me. Any pastor's kids in here? Oh, just a couple. All right. Um, And I grew up in the church, and I served in the local church for about eight years as a worship pastor. And I grew up with this idea of the kingdom of God. But what I saw, the picture that was painted for me was one that says, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, then all will be well with you. Jesus has got your back. You know, some of the values that came with it was like success and health and wealth and kind of all of these Western ideals that we packed into the kingdom of God. But in 2005, I went to Zambia for the first time. And I came face to face with one of the most devastating pandemics the world has ever seen, HIV and AIDS. It takes the life of 7,000 people every day. And 7,000 people are newly infected every day. Some of the countries that we work in, as many as one in every three are infected with HIV. Can you imagine if that was the reality for the United States? Can you imagine if HIV devastated the United States so much that half of our population would be under the age of 17? Can you imagine? I witnessed a, 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 a woman who was dying of tuberculosis. She was HIV positive. Her husband was unfaithful, contracted HIV, infected her, and then left her because she got sick. And I'm standing at her bedside and I'm like, what I know about the kingdom of God? It's not here. I don't see it anywhere. And God began to say, I want to teach you about what I meant when I talked about the kingdom of God in Scripture and when I talked about the kingdom of heaven. And I came home and started just attacking the Scriptures. Amos, Hosea, Isaiah. Stay away from those books of the Bible. I'm warning you. Because God was looking at me going, Micah, Mr. Worship Pastor, I'm so tired of your songs. Andy, I'm not tired of your songs. Keep them coming. I remember seven years ago sitting on the beach with Andy at a family vacation. He's my brother-in-law, by the way. 
don't hold that against him. But, and he was saying, man, I think God might be, you know, I don't know. I'm like calling you to ministry. He's like, yeah. And though he ran from the call for seven years, aren't you glad that he re- finally responded? <laughs> That's all right. You're going to come with me one of these days and God's going to wreck you. So, But he said, I'm, it's noise. It's just noise. You know, you talk about grace and you talk about freedom and you talk about mercy and justice that I've given you, but Micah, it's all damned up in your heart. There's this whole horizontal plane of, of people who are living on less than $2 a day. There's a million orphans in Zambia that need to experience love and justice and mercy. Whatever I've given to you, I want you to give it away. I want you to break yourself open and pour yourself out, just like my son, on behalf of the lost and the least. And I believe that the message that Jesus brought about the kingdom of heaven was specifically for the poor and the vulnerable. And I want to show you, and then you can tell me what you think. I'm going to be in Matthew 5, verses 1-6, through 6, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It'll be up on the screen for you. Jesus, uh, one day, as He saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down. By the way, Scott and Brent were like on this mountain last week that I'm talking about, so that's an incredible one-up. I cannot compete with that. They were on the very mountain that Jesus was standing in. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Now this passage is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we often refer to this as the Beatitudes from the Latin beatus, which means blessed. Some translations say blessed are those or God blesses. Some say happy are those. But if we look deeper into this this blessing and what it really, really means, it gets to the heart of the Gospel. It's connected to this good news that Jesus was talking about. It's not just good news, it's wonderful news. In fact, it's, it's, it's more like a congratulations. Right? When you go to the hospital and you've got some friends or, or family that have given birth, you're like, hey, congratulations. You're no longer just a poor sap of a husband. You're a dad. You're a mom. Or, for, or to a friend, congratulations on that promotion, man. Boom, you earned it. Congratulations. Hey, congratulations for winning the lottery. You're going to pay a ton of taxes. Congratulations. <laughs> but this is, the, this is the heart. This is the spirit of this announcement that Jesus was bringing. The problem with the message is that it's backwards. It's upside down because of who the message was brought to. Who the message was for. In Luke 4, 
18 through 19, Jesus reads his mission statement. And if you're kind of like, well, Micah, I mean, Jesus, the good news, just for the poor, I don't know. Luke 4, Jesus is in the temple, unrolls the scroll, reads from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to who? The poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I remember when I was learning how to ride a motorcycle. I'm happy to announce that I never learned how to ride a motorcycle. I thought, you know, I grew up riding bicycles. You know, two wheels, two wheels, handlebar, handlebar. What's the difference? Any motorcyclists in here? Yeah, y'all are a cult. I love it. So I went to the DMV and uh, took the test, went up, and they said, sorry, you're not getting your license today. And I'm like, why? Well, you failed the test. That's impossible. I knew every answer. And I went home and looked at the questions. And there was one question that said, if you're on your motorcycle and you want to turn left, do you pull on the handlebar or do you push on the handlebar? I was like, duh. If you want to turn left, you need your wheel to go left, so you pull on the handlebar. So I went to the DMV the next day, took the test. Sorry, sir, you're not getting your license today. What are you talking about? Why? You failed the test again. So I was like, you know what? I probably should talk to someone who knows how to ride a motorcycle. And so I found someone. I said, I keep failing this test. There's one question I keep getting wrong. If you want to turn left on a motorcycle, do you push or pull the handlebar? And I, I'm, I keep telling him, you pull the handlebar. He goes, yeah, how's that working out for you? I said, well, I eventually get where I need to go. I mean, I hit a couple mailboxes and some trash cans, but I just, you know, kind of pedal back, turn the wheel, and go where I need to go. He goes, well, the problem is, is you're an idiot. When you're turning left on a motorcycle, you gently lean and you push on the handlebar. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. He goes, I don't care if it makes sense or not. You keep failing the test. So just listen to what I'm saying. N.T. Wright, one of the leading theologians today, uses the example of a movie back in the 80s called The Right Stuff. Anybody ever seen The Right Stuff? A group of uh, pilots were seeking to break the, the, the sound barrier. And many attempted and many failed, uh, except for one pilot got to the speed of sound. And what he realized is when he got to that speed, all the mechanics of the aircraft worked backwards. And so the others that tried, they would try to pull the aircraft up and pull back, and they would just nosedive into the ground. But he realized, if I want to go up, i got to push the throttle down. And even though that's absolutely not accurate whatsoever, it's just a sensational dynamic movie, it's a beautiful illustration of this message that Jesus was bringing completely backwards of what people were expecting. When pilots reach the sound barrier, there's a huge explosion. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. There's no doubt in my mind that when Jesus taught these words, there was a huge explosion in the ears 
of the people that were there expecting the king to bring his kingdom with a sword to overthrow the rulers of the day and with violence take back what's rightfully ours. But Jesus comes and talks about this kingdom being for the poor, being for the humble, the mourners, the peacemakers. Jesus, you got this all wrong. Jesus isn't suggesting that these are timeless truths about the way the world is because many of us know mourners who aren't comforted. Many of us know people who long for justice and they take that longing to the grave. This world's upside down. And the message Jesus was bringing, He's like, I want to show you the right way up in this work is starting to come true right now. It's an announcement. It's not a philosophical analysis of the world. It's about something that's starting to happen. It's not good advice. It's good news. It's the Gospel. It's what I saw yesterday when we were meeting the needs I'm watching people interact. I saw something. I believe I saw the kingdom of God. And I'm seeing the kingdom of God in countries like Zambia. I met Beauty about six months ago. Just a beautiful young lady. And um, our team in Zambia got a call about a year ago and Beauty was in bad shape. She was beaten nearly to death by her husband. And um, we got her some care and um, put her in a safe housing situation. Enrolled her in our sewing co-op. Got a sewing program a couple different places. And I'm happy to announce that last week, Beauty was one of 15 ladies that graduated from the sewing co-op. She received a sewing machine, some startup materials to start her own business to care for herself. But what, what, what's most amazing to me about Beauty's story is that she told me she lost both of her parents when she was young, one of the nearly million orphans in Zambia. They died of HIV. And so she married at 14 because she didn't know what else to do. She had two children in this marriage. And then she learned that her husband was being unfaithful. And one of the women that her husband was unfaithful with was Beauty's sister. The husband contracted HIV. The husband infected the sister. The husband gets sick. The husband dies. Beauty remarries. Thought he was a nice guy. Ended up being a violent drunk and is the guy who put Beauty in that place when we found her near death a year ago. And through all of this, she has faithfully cared for her sick and dying sister and her children. And when she graduated, she goes, I'll tell you why I'm excited about this sewing machine. I'll tell you why I'm excited about this skill that I have is because now I can teach others 
who are in the same situation that I was in. That's the kingdom of God. to, To borrow Bradley's hashtag, she's now a hope dealer. What she's received, she wants to give away. And it doesn't take much for people to live a dignified life. I mean, basic necessities, water, shelter, health care, education, a skill. It doesn't take much. And what we're seeing in the lives of Drake and Beauty when they go through our programs and experience the gospel in Jesus and the kingdom of God, that when they receive, they're ready to give. And they're content. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs in To Heal a Fractured World I don't recommend reading that book because I don't understand 98% of it. But I understood this quote. People who own the most are only as happy as those who have the least. And half as happy as those who are content with what they have. And part of the secret of contentment is realizing that whether we're rich or poor, The gospel, the kingdom of God, shows us that what we have isn't just for us. It's for others. It's to receive and to extend. But for every story like beauty, there's thousands of people who don't experience that opportunity like beauty has. And so as Christians, we might ask, when did these, Jesus, when did these promises come true? You're saying, you know, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. But when does it happen? And it's a temptation for us to say, well, after death. When we all get to heaven. That's when it all comes true. But, folks, this is a misunderstanding of what heaven is. And I really want you to dial into this. What is heaven? Heaven is God's space, right? Right? That's where God is. And where in the universe is God not? The psalmist says, if I go to the heavens, who's there? If I go to the depths of Sheol, who's there? Whether it's the highest mountain or the deepest valley, God is there and His space interlocks with our earthly reality, doesn't it? Now, there will be a day where heaven and earth are completely joined because Jesus said the meek will inherit the earth and they can't really inherit or inhabit the earth if they're a bunch of chubby angels playing harps in a cloud, right? Disembodied reality. No, they're going to inherit and inhabit the earth and heaven and earth will be completely joined. But until then, Until then, God's space interlocks with our earthly reality. And the key is, we find in the next chapter of Matthew, Jesus is teaching His disciples how to pray. And what does He say? Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The life of heaven, the life of of the realm of where God is already king is to become the life 
of the world, transforming the present earth into the place of beauty and delight that God always intended. And those who follow Jesus are to begin to live by this rule here and now. And that's the point of the Sermon on the Mount. That's the point of the Beatitudes. It's a summons for Christ followers to live in the present in a way that makes sense in God's promised future. Let me say that again. It's a summons to live in the present in the way that will make sense in God's promised future because that future has arrived in the present with Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is here and now. And He announced the reality of this kingdom. It seems upside down. But Jesus teaches us that this is the right way out. I have a friend who is a pastor in Zambia. His name is Pastor Sichikata. Just a bubbly, beautiful, joyous fella. He's the Zambian Père Noel, I think. That means Santa Claus. Um, And he was admiring some of the work that we do with orphans and vulnerable children and victims of exploitation, people like Drake and Beauty. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's very rewarding, very fulfilling. He looked at me and says, you know, this is, this is the work of the church. This is what we should be doing better. And I said, well, what's keeping the church from, you know, meeting the needs of the lost and, and the least in your community? And so we talked through that. You know, water is a challenge. And so I said, we're going to get all your churches water so that when people are thirsty, they have to come to church to get a drink. And then you can give them living water. He goes, yeah, amen, that sounds good. We're planting a bunch of orange groves at these churches. They can sell oranges to generate a bit of income. They can help nourish the sick in their communities. And they can pass out oranges on Sunday morning. Uh, apparently, it's a great church growth tool in Zambia. So I don't know if Connection Church wants to do that. You know, happy Orange Day or something. I don't know. Transportation is a challenge. Our pastors can't get to the sick and vulnerable. We need theological training. And our buildings, oh, they're just awful. And so Poetis has decided to help in those five areas but not so that their churches can be bigger and grow and be successful. The pastor's intent is so that they can go out and meet the needs of the lost and the least in their own community. That's what drives him. And he is considered poor. And he says, if we just have a little bit, we will have enough to help our people live a dignified life, to show them the kingdom of God, to show them the good news of Jesus Christ. I love that. But it takes everyone. It takes all of us. I mean, it takes every one of us to realize that this kingdom for the poor and for the vulnerable the exploited and imprisoned in many ways comes 
through us. This invisible kingdom of heaven, how is it made visible in our world? How? Through us. And it doesn't take much. I think if every Christ follower lived with this reality of the kingdom of God, we could read the Beatitudes like this. This is how I want to read the Beatitudes. Congratulations, all who are poor. The kingdom of heaven is here and now, and it's yours. Congratulations, beauty. This is the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations, Jake. This is the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations, all who are mourning, because right now you're being comforted. Congratulations, all who are humble. You have received the earth. You've earned it. Nice work. Congratulations, all who hunger and thirst for justice. Because all of my people are living justly. The kingdom of God is fully now. I often say the battle is won. It's just not done. And I've experienced some really, really painful stuff. Because when you exist for other, it often involves a surrendering of self, doesn't it? A surrendering of my and we to focus on them. Especially when you work in the developing world, we're in Zambia and South Africa, Lesotho and Swaziland. You see things that you never knew existed and never wanted to see. You get close with someone and then find out they're positive and they pass away. You get close to someone and they lose their life in a car accident. You get close to someone and they get caught up in a military coup and lose their life. You get close to a child and they get exploited Stolen. It's painful. There's days when I come home and I'm like, God, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. And that's when he says, oh, okay, I'm sorry. So you want to come back where it's safe and where everything's okay and everything makes sense. Are you saying you want to stop following Jesus? No, God, I'm not saying that. I want to keep following Jesus. Oh, you just don't want to go where He is? You're twisting my words, God. It keeps coming back to this calling when God spoke so clearly. I'll never lead you where my grace can't keep you. All you have to do is give one thing. What's that, God? Everything. I want it all. As a worship leader, I've led a lot of songs. There's one song in particular that God just keeps shoving into my heart. It's called I Surrender All. It's one of those songs when I'm just not feeling it, I just hit the ground and I just start screaming. Maybe my heart will follow if I sing this loud enough. Worldly pleasures, I don't need them. Safety and security, I don't need it. I want to exist 
to help people live a dignified life because that's justice, that's what's fair. And I surrender everything to you, God. If that's all it takes, that's all I have to give. I'd love to share this song with you as we close. Surrender.